You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan and Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. If I was to title this episode, if I usually just put episode 40-something, sure. what do you think the theme of this would be? How about the title of the book? Sure. A Different Frontier. Define frontier. Okay. Well, it begins with the French word. In Europe, there are frontiers all over the place. Every country has a frontier. Frontier, front. Frontier is French for of the edge. So you would take the train to the frontier. Not to the middle of nowhere or Mars. You took the train to the boundary of your country. And then you had to show your passport to go over. Now the reason that might be an odd thing today for people is, is that we've got the EU. You know, we've tried to break all that down. But it was to break down that idea of frontiers and edges. So it's this idea of an edge. Now is that a physical edge? Is it a mental edge? an environmental edge, is it a cultural edge? That's what we've often argued ever since. You know, in America, what is a frontier? Well, it seems that there's an interest in Texas about rethinking itself on the part of a new generation. One of the stories that's told in El Paso and down in the, along the border is why isn't the border wall going forward? when it seemed like the uh, person who was pushing for the border wall in the last year or two uh, was so adamant about it. Well, and the answer was, is that if you live on the border, you understand that maybe the wall is not as important as you think. And uh, so Big Ben then appeared in some newspaper stories last year, and the picture of the walls along the Rio Grande and how hard it is to get through. and. And about and in, and in where would you put it and uh, on and on and so it it just sort of uh, haunted those who support and love Big Bend. Are we going to get a wall through Big Bend? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to build the whole 1950 mile wall, you know, along the southern border with the United States, uh, you know, you're going to have to run it through 220 miles of Big Bend, and you're going to put it out in the middle of the river and on and on. And so you can see how. It, it, uh, it fell of its own weight. But there are those who argued it was the, the presence of this natural phenomenon, which was going to require an act of Congress separate from a wall. They were going to have to pass legislation to allow a wall to be built, and, and, the, and the hideous cost of that wall, mile by mile. Uh, there's, no, there's no concrete plant within 200 miles of Big Bend. So who's going to batch it? You know, and you can't drive a concrete truck three hours mm-hmm. and keep the concrete fresh. And, and Texas heat. On and on it goes. And, and the thousands of gallons of concrete. You, so at a certain point, the sort of, you know, I don't want to say absurdity, just the, uh, the obstacles uh, to fulfilling that. Some say, because you can't quantify it and say, well, Big Ben stopped the wall. But it did pose the question, we've got a lot of other walls, and we've got a lot of drones, and we've got a lot of agents, you know, and, and so we've got ways to keep an eye on this, but you, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like it's a, uh, a step too far to take. 
And I was interested in that, and so I jumped on that idea because when I was asked about four or five years ago by the Army engineers in the Southwest in Albuquerque to uh, update their history uh, for the last 25 years, um, I came in and one of the jobs they were working on at the time was the border wall in El Paso, the first wall. So they took me to the wall and they took me on the other side of the wall and they talked to me and I met people who were involved in the construction of it and uh, you know, s state officials and federal officials. And it became quite clear that everybody on the border got it, that this was someone else's argument. You know, this was, this was, this was an argument that played out somewhere else, far away from the border. Um, not to say that you don't have a lot of security presence, not to say there wasn't a lot needed. It's the same way when you talk to Park Service agents. And they told you about the drug runners, and they told you about the, you know, the, the coyotes bringing people up in the flat, you know, in the, in the vans. And, and I saw a vehicle shoot past me at 10 o'clock at night uh, on the little two-lane highway out, you know, through the park. Uh, once the rangers had gone home, they knew that, and so they were beating it the 200 miles to, up to Interstate 20 and turn right to Dallas. So it's not that there is no security problem down there. It's just that are they are these uh, are these statements people make are these attitudes people have uh, are these financial decisions that are are negotiated uh, are they wise for that part of the country and so I guess those questions didn't get answered sufficiently and in other places other than just Big Ben and so you wound up with uh, a delay in the border wall. Uh, as one of the uh, Army engineer officials told me when I was in El Paso, I said, well, you know, you guys are building about 650 miles of this 1,900-mile wall. I said, um, how are you going to build the rest? And he said, I think we're finished. I think we're finished. That was, that was eight years ago, six years, six years ago. I think we're finished. Because they built where they could, where it was wise, El Paso, Nogales. Um, um, you know, Ciudad Acuna, um, in Laredo, um, along the Texas border, uh, San Diego. Um, there were places where the land was private and you were going to have to condemn it. There were places, uh, you know, that uh, it was, it was uh, just too far to get supplies cheaply. It was places nobody tracked. Um, so they said, you know, they picked the best 650 miles to put the first wall up. So that might be another argument. It sounded great and it looked great on the maps, you know, in the campaign of 2016, but Big Ben stood out as a sort of example. People in Mexico would talk to me about how, not, not on the border, but you know, officials from Mexico City uh, <laughs> would talk to me about how they knew little about northern Mexico themselves. It's their wild north. It's El Norte. We talk about the wild west. They have, uh, you know, the Rio Bravo. It's what they call the Rio Grande, Rio Bravo, wild and uncontrollable. And so it's their outback. It's their west world. It's their, it's their um, Star Wars galaxy. So it, it, you could almost say that there's some parallel with, say, Mexico City knowing that land that on the Rio Grande, mm -hmm. as well as say Washington DC and not knowing much about the actual Rio Grande and, and send, the rest of the borders. But you send people there or you work with people who are there and what you get is it, the way that you survive 24-7 in the environment which is put up with it. Mm -hmm. It's the way that you survive culturally. 
live with it, deal with it. So the issue for the idea of frontier today is that it still summons up in people's minds the edge, uh, far away, the challenges, you know, the stimulation, the fears, the anxieties. So it's all of these competing forces that bundle up together. And so what we want when we present the book to the general public, hopefully in about 18 months from now, is that they don't see the word frontier alone, they see the word different. This is not quite what you think a frontier is. Because we then want them to open it up and say, well, this is this frontier that I'm reading about. It's not quite what I think. The version that I wrote for the National Park Service 15 years ago was called Landscape of Ghosts, River of Dreams. And it's this idea of the physical space can haunt you. Now some of that's the wind blowing and some of that's the dust and some of that's the dead critters and cactus and all that. So there's that landscape. But then there's this other mental state, this river of dreams. And it's this idea of the possibilities and the people that came and went across it or the people that came to it hoping they could find something in Big Bend that they couldn't find elsewhere. My name is Michael Welsh. I am professor of history at the University of Northern Colorado. There's a new generation of Texans out there. And once again, is the media onto this or is the media captivated by the arguments of their elders? You know, is that where we are? Are we caught up in the echo of the past that looks like it's the present and the future of Texas? We need that wall. You know, we've just got to stop the, you know, stop being overrun at the border, things like that. Because the new generation that's growing up clearly is more diverse. The new generation is more urban. Uh, the new generation is better connected uh, and, the new ge and better educated. And the new generation perhaps has more tolerance for differences uh, because young people often are more tolerant of differences.